Hello, the internet. Welcome back to the Rock Paper Bitcoin Podcast, episode 28. It's me, your very best friend, Business Cat. How you doing? I missed you. This time, Fundamentals and I got into numbers and perfection. We talked about how math is the basis of all freedom. We talked about the user interface problem. And uh, we ended by talking about the missing middle and the problem with high fees and how to navigate the environment when they're around. If you like our content and would like to support the show, you can listen using any podcasting 2.0 enabled app, something like Fountain. You can stream us stats while you listen. You can send us a comment, send us stats as a boostergram, whatever you want to do. We love it. If you're a Bitcoin miner and you're feeling generous, you can uh, slice off just a little bit of that hash power and send it our way. Point it to any Lincoin stratum address using our show's username, Rock Paper Bitcoin, and the connection details are in the show notes. We love you. Finally, dear listener, thank you so much for listening. Let's get into it. I was actually really nervous about not doing it at 8 a.m. I feel like the the circadian rhythm of it's like we're like boxers in a certain way. Like we are trained to perform at this hour. Right? I agree. Like like you know. Boxers are trained to perform at like at midnight, like to hit their peak, to hit their peak of their ability to fight, get all those hormones popping out at that hour. I feel like all of our podcast hormones. <laughs> right. And you're not supposed to jerk out. off they're, before a fight. It's like the, the longer I go in the day, the more yeah. information I consume out in the, like I'll listen to other podcasts. I'll see news headlines. It's like the longer the day goes on, the more polluted and corrupted my mind is. So yeah, early morning recording is best for creativity in my opinion. I got something that we didn't talk about. I just want to hit real quick. Yeah. I really want to hit this too now. This is episode 28. Is that correct? Uh, yes. All right. So apologies to anybody who finds the next five minutes really boring. Um, <laughs> 28 is considered a perfect number. Um, and perfect numbers are really cool. And I want to, so I want to acknowledge, and I, I want to tell you guys what a perfect number is. Yeah, I'm um, curious. Why, why is 28 a perfect number? Okay. So I'm going to start with the number six. So the first two perfect numbers are six and 28. And so it's easy to visualize with the number six. Um, the numbers that multiply that are called factors of six are one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Because, right. Those are numbers like one times six is six, two times three is six, and there's no other. And then so the sum of those, one plus two plus three, happens to equal six. And that's really kind of cool. Like you can't really do that with a lot of other numbers. Got it. So the sum of like the factors equals six. And then if you try to find the next one, it is happens to be 28, where we say it's one, two, four, seven, and 14. If you guys are adding it up on your calculators at home. We don't count 28, obviously, because 28 would, if you added 28 to any number, it would not equal 28, right? What's the so next perfect number say after it's 28? One, uh, see, that's a great question. So let me tell you a little story, okay? It's one of my favorite things that's ever happened to me in my life. And you guys know that I have a, my daughter is a math major who is kind of crushing it. Um, it turns out she's really good. Um we were driving home when she was, I want to say she was about 12. We were driving, I used to take her to fish shows. And this is one of the reasons why fish is magical. 
And, you know, we don't really get into it in this podcast, but I've got some plans <laughs> to really get into the magic of fish here. But like we were driving home from a fish show and it happened to be on June 28th, 628. And I decided to spark this conversation with my daughter on our way home, which was that today is a really special day because it's June 28th. Six and 28 are perfect numbers, right? And she's like, what, what does that mean? And so I went through the discussion I just gave you right? Mm -hmm. Six and the number 28. And she's like, oh, let's try to figure out the next one. And so we spent the entire ride, which was like an hour, right? Trying to guess what the next number is. And like, oh, let's look at 30. That's one, two, you know, three, 10, 15, like, you know, and oh, nope, that's not it. And then so we couldn't get it. We spent an hour guessing. We, we got up to, we were in the hundreds and we're like, no, <laughs> no we're not finding it. And so this was, I want to say it was um, 20, like 15, the year was roughly. And we, I said, you know what, let's build a computer using a Raspberry Pi. And I'm going to teach you how to use Python. And we're going to write code to figure out the next perfect number. Oh, I love like, this. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, right. So we did it. Like we spent the next like two weeks, right. Her summer was about to start. So she didn't have school and she was so very into this. Um, so we started writing code to find factors. Um, and then we then wrote the loop to try to ask the question is if I add up those factors, does it equal the number? Right. And, um, it does turn out that the next number isn't for like several hundred thousands and the little raspberry Pi that we bought in 2015 actually couldn't get there without overloading its memory. Wow. Okay. We actually, we spent, a, we spent a week trying to do this by brute force before we went and looked it up. Um, which I just think is an awesome story. Um, that's proof I think of work. it's beautiful to, it's proof of work. It's beautiful to sit there and trial and error. And I was thinking about this a lot this morning, uh, because I'm, I'm studying, like I'm studying abstract algebra. I don't want to get, take, I don't want to take this into a more mathematical direction. I just want to tell you guys, like I'm appreciating, there's a dichotomy here of being able to generalize anything in math. And on the other side of that, it's just being able to sit there and brute force and like, you don't appreciate what algebra does for you unless you sat and trialed and erred your ass off to try to solve a problem. And then all of a sudden algebra comes up and it's like, oh my God, you're telling me I could have just literally just, <laughs> I could have just solved this problem using algebra instead of spending the last, you know, however many hours I just spent plugging numbers into this thing, right? Yeah, mathematics Sorry. is, it's a beautiful, I didn't appreciate math. I mean, I see like as a kid, I loved math. And then as I st spent time in state education, I grew to hate math. And then it took until my adult life for me to like kind of get over that programming and rediscover my love with math. It's like yeah, mathematics is the most, the most beautiful, elegant thing that we've discovered. I mean, it's the universal language. It's like, yeah. And you know what? Like it's the place the reason I'm obsessed with it personally is because I think it's the one place where I can communicate without any taint. Um, you know what I mean? Like everything is either true or not. Yes. And there's no taint of incentives. There's no taint of agendas, right? You have a theorem and you have a proof, right? And you either, it's like you've either gotten there or you haven't. Um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful in that way. And look, We've talked about this before where we, I believe that 
most people on this earth have been psyoped to hate math, right? Yeah. Like they don't want us to know it. Like when they do want us to know it, like my dad grew up in a time where they did want people to know math, right? They really wanted to get to the moon, whether you believe we did it or not. They, <laughs> there was an effort to want to do that. And my dad was the beneficiary. He got to get a PhD in electrical engineering uh, because there was a lot of, um, there was a, like, it really wasn't fiat money. There was, I guess, I mean, it was kind of, it was fiat money, but it was before 1971. I mean, yeah. There was it, money behind, the government had committed to wanting engineers and there were a lot of people that learned math from that generation. I think it really shows but the difference in changed. the ruling elite from the time back then until the time now. Like the ruling yep. elite has always viewed the masses as a means to an end. And at the time, I mean, the ruling yep. elite had, had a goal of, oh, we want to accomplish this engineering. Um, what is it? Uh, science is to engineering as, um, as art is to craft. So um, we had an that. engineering goal that the nation wanted to accomplish the the one percent of one percent who were who was in charge of things they had a, they had a, a goal to accomplish and they could like grind it's kind of like the how do you build the pyramids where you grind the bones of the peasant into dust until you, until your goal is com- complete they had an engineering goal to complete and they completed it but as a side ancillary benefit the population got to learn mathematics but an end okay push the clock forward till now like what is the goal of the ruling elite oh, their goal now is to remain in power they're not trying to like all, all of the, the people that were competing before for power, they are all now working together to try to remain at the top of the totem pole. And the way, like, how do we utilize the masses to accomplish this goal? And it's turn turn them into a dumb tax tax slave system, a, a dumb wage system. Like people that are don't know, it, it, yeah, teaching people math is te- giving people the keys to unlock their mind and their freedom. So like you don't in, in the system we have now with the goals they have now, you don't want people to, to know math. You don't want people to understand the, the uh, intricacy of the beauty of a cosmic language like mathematics. Beautiful, dude. And I want to focus on one thing you just said. The last thing you said. Because what, what did I say? <laughs> I want to get I want to like nail it too. I want to rem- I mean, we'll go back, but like you said, mathematics is learning ma- something to the effect that learning math is the key to your own having your own freedom. Yes, right. Like I won't, I won't be able to think about that for a second. It's um, like if, you, it's like if you're laying on the ground week. and you want to stand up, you have to get your legs under you, and like the strongest leg that I, we have to stand on is math. Everything else is built on math. It's the one. It's well, yeah. So look, it's the thing that. In the world we live in now, okay, right? The world we live in now is such a strong, like we're so strongly psyoped by the ruling elite that our mus- our muscle to ask the question, is that right, is very weak. Just It just is, right? Yeah. It's very, it's very weak muscle to ask if it's right. So mo- most people do is, I mean, look, I think that 99.9% of the people in the world are doing one of two things. They're either accepting it as everything at face value or they accept nothing. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Either, either way, there's not a lot there's not a lot of critical thought to it, but you know, we live in a lucky time that you can <laughs> like, I've been on both sides you of that can fence. reject almost uh, Yes, but like you, you we you can reject almost everything that comes from um, the knowledge system now and be right. <laughs> you know, like yeah, it's, it's terrifying. It's like, 
it just happens. It happens to be the case right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, but guess what? Here's what: when Bitcoin does fix a lot of what it's going to fix, it's going to get much like we're going to have to get discerning again, and it's going to we're going to have to live with uh, uncertainty about whether or not we're doing the right things in the world, and we're going to have like fights and debates, and we're going to get like super engage with each other in ways that kind of you know are argumentative and it's going to be difficult without critically thinking to actually advance the civilization at sure. that I point mean, in time there's pain because, ahead of us for sure like right. without without a, a benevolent dictator t- telling us not to put our fingers in the in the outlets of the physics around the universe it's like we're gonna yeah. go stick our fingers or, in, the out, in the outlets yeah. and we're gonna learn from it well right now we have the we have the opposite of the benevolent dictator is that we have the we have the moron who we know to do the opposite of, and it's the same. It's the same result, right? Yeah, it's the same thing, right? It's like whatever you're against is you're just doing the same thing, right? Because it's the. It just so happens the non-thinking version is working really well, right? Mm-hmm. But once once we do like once Bitcoin really starts fixing things. We're going to have to start thinking again, right? And because like, like if we don't, I really do believe we will be vulnerable to an attack on the network. I really, I, I strongly believe that maybe, you know, in the sometime close to year, the year 2140, when we're all gone and it's like our great grandkids, right? We will have either done the work to have leveled, leveled everybody up enough, right? We will have done the work to, um, you know, teach people to think critically enough, mm-hmm. right? Or we will have not. And I do like, you know, we may as well kiss 2140 goodbye, in my opinion, if we don't do that work. Like when I say like 2140, like I imagine people sitting around the way we we're going to do for the having, like being so excited to validate that that actually worked like, oh my God, look at that 3.125. Oh my God. That's like, this is so happening, right? Like mm-hmm. we're very excited to see the code work. Um, 2140 is going to be sick, right? To see that thing go to, <laughs> to see that thing just go to zero, right? Yeah, go That's from one sat to zero. Yeah. Below one sat. Like, like if we thought the bicentennial here was cool, right? Can you imagine what it's going to be like in 2140 when they see the reward turn off and they realize it's forever. Like that's incredible. However, however, that day is not necessarily promised to us. Okay. We're going to have to resist attacks, a lot of attacks. And the attack isn't going to be somebody forking the code and writing an explicit line that says, um, create more, you know, it's not going to be what we think it is where somebody literally writes in the line of code. Well, let's now add, um, Let's just add more Bitcoin, right? It's going to be a very abstract, something that causes that effect without showing it, okay? And the fact of the matter is there's people who are just, who can see more abstractly than us. There's always people. If you were in math, if you, and if you like know math PhDs, and I do, like I have math, I have, I have math PhDs that work for me. Like I have an, I know, like I talk about them like, their PhDs are worthless, but they may not be if they're directed. They can be directed by evil. (laughs) 
And I'm telling you, like, there's going to be a lot of attempts to um, co-opt. I think there's going to be a lot of attempts to co-opt Bitcoin, obviously, because it's in our human nature. I, th- I, mean, I don't think we have to be a, a society. We don't say we don't have to be a society of math PhDs. We just have to be vigilant and capable of being vigilant. That's yeah, we, it, we need to right? trust the math PhDs that are trustworthy. I, I, we're, we're entering into an era where um, I think. Bitcoin teaches us to be skeptical of the sources of information we're consuming. And I mean, it's like pe- people, there's, there's always going to be people out there that are better at chess than other people. Like I, I'm, I'm okay. Like I'm, I have yep. played, I have played chess in my life. I think most people that spend any time at it, like I, I would put myself in the very, very lowest tier of chess players. Uh, but there's getting, so for sure there's people out there gaming like right now that are war gaming. How do we raise our level of power in the post Bitcoin world? And yep. I, th- I mean, like we we don't know. You're, you're right. We have to man the walls. We have to be vigilant at all times. Uh, but like, look look what happened to gold. That like over time, gold was co opted into what it is now. Like this neutered, papered, like not like paper gold version where they've taken all the teeth out of it. And I think gold's probably going to have the last laugh as as like governments around the world are just buying it up in mass. Eventually, that peg is going to break, and we're going to like that's going to be a hell of a liquidity mo- moment. But like Bitcoin, yeah, for sure, Bitcoin has that moment in the future. And it could be they just print so much more like they're just going to buy out all the Bitcoiners. If, if you're dumb enough to like sell it for, for fiat or things like, I mean, uh, like that, it's not those aren't your sets. I definitely agree. Like, yeah. I think Which our hardest days are ahead of us. Yes. Now, uh, so now I want to I'm going to hit something you said now again, which is we do have like we have to. We're going to have to trust like the math PhDs. And I think you're right. Like we have to do that. And what I want, I guess the thing I want to distinguish is what does it take, right? What does it take to trust somebody, right? And I think it's going to, t- it, it may be, you don't have to be a math PhD to trust a math PhD, even as a Bitcoiner. No, I think what not. you have to be, what you have to be, it's kind of like, what does it take to appreciate music? You, sometimes it means that you're, you're just going to learn whatever you can. And it's, it's you generating energy towards you're committing energy towards leveling yourself up wherever you are. Yeah, I am not a math. And PhD, I think that's, but like, like, it's like, I can't pilot a helicopter, but I can, I can tell when a helicopter is in a tree, that helicopter pilot fucked up. So like, uh, like a math PhD, Yeah, but looking at how a math PhD spends their energy, um, like if they are if they are willing to spend their energy to further the goals of like a repressive state enterprise, that like that goes on a name that like in that in my book like I'll write that person down like I will remember that person's name and this is I will teach my children this is not a person to well, to take data from. Agree, but let's, it's again it's not going to be like we're not going to see a helicopter in a tree. And let me, I think the best example is how Bitcoin literally worked to begin with was one bitcoin is one of these abstractions that forked everybody's code in a way they couldn't see and so the byzantine generals problem right was solved not through a line of code right not through any math right it's like it's a math problem that was solved not by any equations or anything you can even write down right it's the abstraction of decentralization right yeah, what the people can do with this that problem. Code. It, but like, it's more just you got to understand that 
the whole system that we that ran the world, right? And that worked great for people, for at least two people, <laughs> right? That entire system got co-opted by something kind of invisible, right? Even though you understand what I'm saying? Like none of those people were vigilant about a decentralized uh, about this thing that yeah. happened, right? And once it happened, i.e., the sly, once this sly roundabout way got into existence, you know, look, I think if those fiat people were not lazy, fucking, you know, not lazy non thinkers, right? If they were actually really enlightened, they might have, you know, they might have seen this coming. I mean, fiat encourages right? ossification. And like you're just looking for your way to get out. Like it's like that's like that's the whole. I mean, that's indicative of like everything in in life right now in our in our in America. I feel like nobody wants to solve the problem. Everybody just wants to make enough that the problems don't apply to them. And like that's been, like we're we, so far downstream of that now. But we're gonna want to be vigilant about a sly roundabout way of yes. co-opting this so like, thing. Bitcoiners are trying, like, we are trying to build a new culture where like the outside but, of that fiat mindset. And it's not going to be a helicopter in a tree. You understand? It's not going to be a train wreck necessarily. Like, again, it's going to happen in plain sight the same way Bitcoin happened, right? Happen in plain, plain, plain sight. Um, in front of every, in front, right, literally in front of everybody protecting the thing that it was most precious to them, which was like this fiat network. Bitcoin happened in plain sight without incident. And <laughs> that's the, so, and, you know, it could happen against us, right? Mm -hmm. In the year 2120, when we, we have won like motherfuckers, right? You think about how much winning is going to happen between now and the year 2120, Right. I think it's going to make Bitcoin and generational wealth look bearish. Okay. Think about all that winning. Um, all I'm saying is that I think it should be a value the same way fitness is a value, right? Like I think if we're not fit and we're not physically fit, we're not going to win. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think everyone has to, oh, it's like everyone has to be leveling up their physical fitness. And it's like, even if you can't do a, a single push up, it's like, do what you can. And then you are, you are on the way. You are now an asset. Right. Yeah. The same applies to, I believe, reading and math. Right. You just have to be that kind. Of, like, we have to be those kinds of people that are, that are pushing, that are just pushing further. Right. I mean, I don't know if you've seen like this. The studies, but like if you just like spend 10 minutes a day trying to write with your left hand, you will grow your brain, you will grow your mental abilities. <laughs> um, like if you it's like just the act of doing things that are uncomfortable, that are a little bit uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Um, is extremely, extremely beneficial, right? We want to be those kinds of people, right? I'm thankful that Bitcoin no, gives us so a financial incentive to be those kind of people too. Like the pushing our time preference yes. out like that. It's something new that we've never had before. But it's one thing to chase the win, right? It's another thing to protect the win. And right, every competitive, every competitive thing that we've seen, you know, and that we're aware of in our lifetime shows how much harder it is to stay on the mountain than it is to get to the mountain, right? And I actually don't believe this is a destination. It's a journey, you know, if this is about the journey, never about the destination. In fact, I kind of hope we never feel 
like we've really won, right? And that is how you really, that's how you win. You win by never, and that, you know, this is so interesting, right? And so it, um, if you've ever seen, if you know, like the math, the math community and people who study math at like MIT versus Harvard, like nobody, there's no mathematicians that have ever come from Harvard that have ever done anything of significance. Okay. Even if you've ever noticed that, but like, it's true. Why is that? Because people who go to Harvard are taught to feel like they're winning. People go to MIT are fucking treated like a piece of shit. <laughs> they're taught that you've done nothing. You've literally done nothing and you will do nothing. And then it's like Feynman and it's like all these guys that just, you know, like I'll show you. Out of yeah. the, you know, they, well, it's more like, yeah, like, yeah, like they, you have to keep that fire going, right? I mean, even like at Princeton, I'd say people there have contributed some things, right? But like they're not treated as winners the way they are at a Harvard or at a Yale. Right. I think that's that might be a universal to the human spirit. I mean, like what you're describing of that hunger. I mean, that that applies to like the stand up community too. the people that aren't hungry for it or they, they don't succeed. That applies. I mean, in, in life, the, the people that aren't hungry for like what's next, like the, those people are the people that get comfy with the state and like, well, the state will take care of me. I just I'm just, I just want to be comfortable and watch the watch the news and Netflix and chill. It's like but that. That's yeah. that is the yeah, the. The two, the two mindsets of like the two different types of people out there. That's the NPC mindset. And so that goes back to, yeah, the first, so sort of like the, you can't even, this goes back to the first thing I said here, just about just math. You can't appreciate the tool, right? Until you've toiled, unless you're spending, mo- like you kind of have to be spending most of your time toiling without the tool to appreciate the tool. Maybe this is a, maybe it's a lesson for people who think that, um, their kids are going to be great Bitcoiners because they never understood fiat. They may be better people. I don't know if they're going to be better Bitcoiners. And I just think that's a big road we have to travel and figure out. We have no effing idea what it's going to, what they're going to be like. Man, I'm terrified of that. Like the idea of how, how do I get my kids to go in a direction it's like the like look looking at kids. Kids are so like iPads have gotten so good with software and UI that people now like kids can just pick up a, an iPad and learn it like like it's at a startling pace. But then now we have a generation of kids that don't know how to pull a computer apart or fuck with a command line interface, uh, like all these things just because it was like oh well we were assuming that oh these look how like the digital natives they can just pick it up and use it. But that comfort of the user interface really has had other other yep. unintended effects i think so, and the like for, for a bit i never le- yeah like how how do i get my kids to re- have my level of technical ability to pull a miner apart that's busted and put it back together and like keep the hashboards working it's like i like i i mentioned this morning in our chat like i fully predict that like my grandchildren's grandchildren are going to be running at least a couple of my s9s that i have currently like they're not going to be like reti- like no nobody's going to be living off of them. But similar, like people do all kinds of crazy shit for religious reasons. And running a Bitcoin miner is going to is is already a religious thing for people. People will, ru- will run unprofitable miners just to support the network, and that's going to continue forever. And like an S nine yeah. miner is going to be a space heater as long as my grandkids can keep the damn thing running. It's like how do I, how do I teach the mic? Absolutely true. Yeah. And I see this transition point. We're almost here, but I want to just go back real quick before we do that and yeah. say, um, don't, don't, don't give them the iPad 
until, I mean, that's, that's the first thing. Like we'd actually have no, like you wouldn't, like you wouldn't give your kid uh, Oxycontin, right? right? Just because it looks cool. And because they figured out how to open the thing, and but you, yeah, they have see no mom and dad using oxycontin like all the time. It's like, no, this isn't for you. Yeah, it's it's that. It's, well, dub, it's hard. So look, you and I talk about, and so like, look, we I, it's hard because everyone else does it, and it's nice. It's a nice way to shut your kids up and blah blah blah, right? And keep them quiet on a drive and all that stuff. But like, you know, I had, like, I had kids. My kids were born right, two thousand four and two thousand eight. So they were hitting the age where iPads made great gifts from their grandparents, right? As they came out, right? Right. The iPad came around, started getting, you know, popular while they were right at the age. And I made it clear to both my parents, everybody, like, don't do it. Don't get them. Don't get my kids these devices. I'm not going to give it to them. And at some point I had to get like, you know, downright belligerent and say, like, I will destroy them. Like, I will take a hammer and destroy them. Like, you're not respect, like, you are not respecting my wishes here, right? Because, like, yeah, we, every Christmas, there'd be some, that's what they would want to do. They would want to give them an iPad or a Nook or one of these new devices that, you know, whatever. Like, and it's hard. It's just, this is like a mini version. This is like mini training for, like, not letting them get vac- vaccinated, right? It's like, Mini training was like not letting them, not letting their parents get it. Get, it's like the same way I don't want them to just take them out for ice cream and, you know, when they're there, like for a week and just that's all they do, right? Because they, oh, well, they like it so much. So, of course, you know, it's like, come on, help me yeah. out a little bit, right? Yeah, my, my daughter, I, like I, the iPad, we have similar yeah. intentions. It's like, we're not, go- like, my kids are not going to have iPads or devices for a long time. The, uh, and it's like, but just like, so my, my daughter, like I folded it. Like she doesn't have an iPad. It's not like we're doing that. I, I want to put that out there that we're, we have not become those parents and we have no intentions of being that parent, but like, just like my phone will be on the table and she, my daughter has understood that now like our phones, like she can go to the phones and unpause the Apple TV from our phones. And like, well, she, she knows what the, like the play pause button yeah. is and like the forward button. And she knows that she can ask for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and she can ask for Little Orphan Annie and these like these certain things now. And sh- now she's trying to get, yeah, it's it's, it's startling how fast they, they're picking up just because of the ease of the user interface. Totally. So then, the la- so then the last thing on that is that, you know, when we grew up with computers, you actually had to know how a computer worked in order to use it. Like I had, yeah. you know, at, we had this conversation at my meetup two nights ago. Um, just because a lot of us were, you know, a lot of us just grew up, we had computers. Like my dad worked for Bell Labs and he used to bring home all these experimental computers from like from Bell Labs, which is crazy. But like you actually had to, you know, go into the command line, right? You had to know a little basic if you had like an Apple IIe or a Commodore 64, right? Or some TRS-80 or whatever it was. So like there's a generation of kids that had to know you know, basically Gen X, right? The the edge the edges of Gen X knew, had to know how a computer worked, and their parents were fairly impressed with the fact that their kids figured out how to use a computer. They saw how hard it was, right? They saw like they saw the time between getting a computer and learning how to use it, right? And now they see, so now they see that um, these babies can use iPads, and they think, oh my god, the iPad must be wonderful. No, I mean, it actually, I mean. <laughs> 
Or no, the baby's a genius for figuring out the iPad. No, because they didn't have to figure out how it works. In fact, now you have this illusion that these things just work and we don't care how they work. Right. Yeah, this is tying back to the idea that like so the elites needed to go to the moon so that they taught a whole generation of people math. Yeah. And those people learned computers and all the freedom that comes with that. And now, yeah, now we have abstracted all of that away. <laughs> yes. Abstracted it all away is a great way to put it. And it's so true. Same goes for a car, right? Um, there used to be a bunch of people that really knew how cars worked, right? Who the hell knows really how a car works that's under the age of like 50? You know, I feel on that, t- you're, you're totally right. Like the, the weird mesh of like the legacy, like an, an internal combustion engine with computers has gotten to the point that, I mean, like in the, the tractor industry, the, all that craziness with what people trying to jailbreak their tractors just so they can work on them. But I almost feel like that's going to that's gonna come back at some point. Like we're moving into an era now where cars, like if you buy an electric car, it's effectively a computer on wheels. It's a computer. It's a big bag. It's like a phone. And yep. if you can pull your phone apart and work on it, like I feel like I could work on it. Like if I had a fully outfitted garage, I feel like I couldn't, I was never confident that I could ever work on any of my other vehicles until we bought an electric vehicle. And I, th- I feel like now, like with my knowledge of computers meshed with my mo- knowledge of um, voltage and power, like if I had the, the environment, I feel like I could work on an electric car in a way that. Yeah, it's we're moving into a new era, and that, like especially if they get into an era where they start mandating that EVs and all all cars have to have like remote driving software so that they can remote them and take them places. That okay, well we're, we're entering into an era where I'm going to install a pirated version of software on my car that's jailbroken that I, nobody else can can fuck with. So, but like that era of like having a jailbroken car is like we're just barely into it. It's like, that's so what, here, that's yeah, so this is beautiful. So here's how here's how maybe I bring this home, right? Because um, there's a little bit of incentive to have control over your car. There's a little bit of incentive to have control over the computer. But there's a lot of incentive, a lot to keep a miner running. So you have to control your private keys. You can't. By the way, so a miner is not that hard. It only does one thing. So you don't really have to. Under, you don't really care what the computer does. <clears throat> you mean you care? People cared in the block size wars because they were putting back doors and, uh, <laughs> you know, putting back doors in the chips. But I mean, mm-hmm. in general, right? An ASIC, an ASIC is programmed to do one thing. So as long as you can validate that it does that one thing, then what you're incentivized to do is keep it running, which is not just about the machine. It's about your electricity. It's about every, you know, it's about the whole way you get power. And it's a very hard thing to do passively. It's a very hard thing to, Every three months, at least, something's going to happen that's going to take you offline. Yeah. And you have to check, right? You're going to notice that, like, you know, if you have an S19, forget an S19, just, just to keep, well, I'll go with S9. If you're pulling in, if you know you're pulling in, like, 4,000 sats a day, right, and you do check that, you're going to notice, even if you have a mining pool that isn't that, say, robust, you're going to notice if... You, you're pulling in 100 sets a day for a couple of days, and you're going to wonder, oh my god, maybe I should go, I should go look and see, you know, did a fan yeah. break? What changed? Yeah, there, there has you're been old. some state change. You're going to have, you know, you have to be on top of it, right? You you don't have to check it all the time, 24 seven, but it's not a passive thing that you can just take for granted the way we can with our cars, you know. 
I mean, you know, it's funny. Like, you used to get, you used to need to get an oil change every 3,000 miles. And now everyone's like that. They already realized because they've waited 10, 20,000 miles. Like it's not that necessary. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you can't do that with a miner. Like you're, it's not going to work. You're not going to get your Bitcoin. You're not going to get the rare, this rare thing. And you have a strong, strong incentive. I mean, with a car, you have a pretty strong incentive. But the fact of the matter is you let that oil change go and you're still going to work every day until, you know, until that day comes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, nobody really, everyone knows you got to put gas in it. Assuming we got combustible engines. Everybody knows that. Everybody, you know, knows because it's not going to work. Right. And that's the worst. Right. It's the worst when it doesn't work. And the reasons why a car doesn't work are either you forgot to put gas in it. You pop, you pop the tire, right? You ran out of electricity. Or there's, no, there's only like a finite small amount of reasons, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of reasons why your miner might stop giving you Bitcoin, right? So you got to be on top of it and you got to understand it. And so I think that's the incentive. It's that incentive will probably drive your kids if you're effective at um, getting them to understand the value of Bitcoin. I mean, yeah, it's understanding a failure tree and it's your level of desire for sovereignty. So like there, there are, there's a failure tree for every automobile on, on the market right now. And there is such a low desire for individuals to internalize that failure tree that an entire industry of car repair has sprung up, which is great because we have now like people that do that full time. That's great. I, I, people understand how to do all that specialized knowledge. So I don't have to, um, but yeah, it's the simultaneously. But that industry, that industry has become like the pharmaceutical industry yeah, in a lot right. of ways, right? It's awesome. Like, right. Oh, we, like over we take time. your blood work. We take your blood. Yeah, we take your blood work, and then if we see something, we put you on a medication. That's like you know, you take your car in, they spin the wheel, right? And the wheel shows, right? The wheel shows like, oh, you, um, you know, you clearly need a new tire and new brakes or whatever. You some check engine light thing, and you take check engine like thing you take it in and they spin some wheel and so like even that industry while it's nice to have and it's good that they exist it's totally co-opted as well yeah absolutely to make you to make you think you need them i mean and that's the the side like not benefit but it's a side effect of existing in a fiat culture any market in a fiat culture long enough it's like it's the idea that um there there are only a on a long enough timeline, there are only two markets in any any part of the economy. There's the there's the low end and the the ultra high end, the ultra low end and the ultra high end. So like the IKEAs or the, like a local artisan uh, high grade craft person, like the uh, so yep. uh, like the idea of buying a chair. Like ultimately, when chairs when in a market that is healthy, there would be like you could buy a fifty dollar chair, a five hundred dollar chair, or a five thousand dollar chair. Uh, but like fiat like inevitably hollows out the middle it's like the concept of the missing middle that that's that's the concept of the term i was looking for the missing middle and like inevitably in fiat culture the middle disappears from all the markets like in enter in so in chairs ultimately like we have a hundred dollar ikea chair that you have to repair or replace every year or so or you have a ten thousand dollar chair from the woodworker up the road who's like this is going to last your life your grandchildren's life and same thing on YouTube, like the idea of like things are going in both directions. Things like ultra low effort content 
um, is on one side and on the other side is ultra high end. So like uh, people are watching 10 minute videos of people just like reviewing news for headlines for the week, super low effort content, or they're watching 14 hour documentaries on some specific, specific idea. Like these are the two sides that YouTube is ossifying into over time. It's been, it's been around long enough. And it's like, it's It's interesting interesting watching that apply across the market. There's a concept, yeah, there's a concept in, yeah, like there's a concept in Austrian economics about how with, with the dollar or with your money, that is, with your money, every vote matters, as opposed to in a democracy, only the majority actually matters, right? Yeah. And because, because every, with your money, every vote matters, and that's the reason we do have more than one choice for things. And fee- but fiat tries to co-op that, right? The ultimate they try centralization. try to co-op that so that, yeah, they try. And what, even the best they can do is to polarize. But even we still have, you know, we still have enough specialization in markets that people are providing niche solutions that aren't being voted, or aren't otherwise being voted for, right? But yeah. not, it's not enough. Bitcoin is going to make is going to add the meat of that bell curve in there, right? Yeah, I, I definitely, Bitcoin is bringing back that center back to the marketplace in a way, like it's it's off, yeah, like you could be a florist and retire on Bitcoin. It's going to not suppress, yeah, because it's not going to, what's happening is those votes are being suppressed. Fiat money suppresses a large amount. It's like, yeah, it's voter suppression. Yeah, so like go, going back to like the, uh, the concept of, or talking about like miners and cars, like so, I we're what we're witnessing right now, kind of uh, like ASIC repair shops spring up around around the country. I know I know that yep. like Boomraps, Kaboomrax operates out of Phoenix. They have a, where, a warehouse down there, but there's and there's a couple around around. But like as miners continue to be decentralized and pushed out like into the Appalachians and, and anywhere there's power, like there's gonna Bitcoin miners are gonna end up. It's like I, I would imagine that I mean there's an opportunity for somebody buying like an old tool truck. And just driving around, like circling around, like the the Appalachian Mountains, like with contracts of like, oh, once a year I'll stop in, I'll, I'll clean your miners, I'll, I'll like I'll replace all the busted fans, I'll clean out the, the uh, air filters, all that stuff. Like right right now, all of that stuff is internalized by people like like pleb miners, like like me. It's like I I have just vertically vertically integrated all of that. I do all that work myself. But give like if you push this industry out. You're gonna like we like I already know there's entrance like I, I know of miners personally that run a Bitcoin miner that ha- they have no capacity to service it or understand it so they are already re- relying on people like me to service their miners but like that that area is like this is entirely outside or ca- can be entirely outside of the legacy fiat system and it's interesting to watch this this mi- yeah, yeah okay. we're building so a new area can we talk about this now can we talk about this now this is really good sure. Because the mining industry, okay, I wasn't planning on, <laughs> we were going to talk about fees and how great it is. But right now, like, let's just, in the context of what we're discussing, right, the mining industry, most people who see it think it's like five companies, right? Most people think the mining industry is Riot, Mara, and then name three other companies, right? They think that is, when they say miners, right? They think that's who, that's who, that's who it is. Whereas there is, this is back to like the sly roundabout way, right? And solving 
how the Byzantine general's problem is solved is pleb miners. It's this legion, right? Legion of pleb miners around the world. And you see the, st- like, the stats of, you know, when you look at S9s versus S19s versus the newest stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's the way to see how prevalent pleb mining is around the world, right? You see it. I mean, S9 still dominate. Yeah, they're like hash power doesn't go offline. It just migrates to cheaper power sources. It's like there's people. That's the sly roundabout way of, you know, so that is a structure in which that is protecting Bitcoin that we know of, that we sort of knew, I think, from day one, right, was to protect like that attack vector. And it seems successful. Like that they're, like, I think if we start seeing S9s go by the wayside or, we see some heuristic that tells us pleb mining is over. I think that is a scary. That's a scare. It's a much. It's a much scarier heuristic than foundry dominating as a pool, in my pleb, opinion. Pleb mining is a. It's a brutally competitive industry. I mean, but like every year, like every year since I've been in Bitcoin, I've heard people saying. Saying that, like, oh, the days of the individual miners is over. Like, oh, it's just like it. People don't realize that it's over. It's like even like posting on Twitter. That's what they want. You're right. I mean, like at at a time, like whenever I got into Bitcoin, like I believed it. Like the 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 line was like, oh, don't even try to mine Bitcoin because it's it's already too competitive. And then when I actually looked into it, it it's like, oh, I can I can actually mine on my MacBook. Um, But like obviously. For, like if you're in Bitcoin mining, everybody who everybody else who competes is a direct competitor with you. So like if you're in this small group, it makes sense to try to keep others out. But I mean, at, at this point, like like at this point in network growth, like the, us small people are like I feel like com- like Amara like Amara or a Riot blockchain. Like how many pleb miners is the equivalent of one of their facilities? It's like I think ultimately there's more of us than them, but I mean, like that's when when that inevitable fight happens, when the states come this and come in here. Like I wouldn't be surprised if the big miners that are operating under the purview of the state, when the state decides to go full fascist and decide like edit 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 the uh, what can be included in blocks. It's like it's gonna come down to I mean you're gonna need a pleb miner to get your unauthorized transaction onto the blockchain. Like, or, and then yep. that like that will that's right like that will be a state of the network for a while ultimately i like that that state can't work like ultimately those miners will flow to where the freedom is hopefully i think so and so the way i think about it is um pleb miners are just the they're unreasonable right in in the best <laughs> way you know that saying, like the reasonable man adapts himself to the world, and the unreasonable man adapts the world to him, and therefore all progress relies on the unreasonable man, right? Okay. The pleb miners are are are, unre- are the unreasonable man here that are, um, like every logical argument. It's true. Every logical argument would tell you it makes no sense. You're just better off stacking, right? Except that the logic breaks down when you say, "Well, stacking from who?" Right? What if there's nobody to stack from? Yeah, and that's really what the unreasonable man is like. Well, you know what? Fuck this. I'm gonna like no. We we have to. I have to plant this tree. Yeah, mining is future. I don't care if I'm only pulling in three thousand sats a day, or even not even that. Like I'm. I don't care if I go two months without getting a block. These pleb miners are like hardcore, and that's why I really 
encourage everyone listening to listen to podcasts like Bit by Bit, Pod Two Fifty Six. Um, you know, podcasts that are that you get into the world of pleb miners and you really see that they're a thing. You know, there's a culture, there's a thing, and they're here to stay. The mentality is here to stay. And um, it's, I really encourage people to expose themselves to that and understand that that counterculture is really strong. Bitcoin mining is just another avenue for me to say no to the world. It's like Bitcoin was the first time that I, holding Bitcoin was the first time in my lifetime when I ever felt that I could legitimately look out at the world and say no. It's like I could refuse to, to participate in the will of what was going on in the world. And getting into mine, like yeah. once you learn that, oh, actually, no, I can stand up and stand up for my internal values. At, like, and the like Bitcoin teaches you that it's possible to have your own internal set of values and you don't have to rely on external value structures. And like once you internalize that and you come to a point when something conflicts with your internal values, you can say no. And like that, that changed my relationship with the world. That changed my relationship with the church. That changed my relationship with, with reality itself, being able to say no. And I mean, Bitcoin you mining. You don't have fuck you money. You don't, you don't have fuck you money unless you have that ability. And so that's where these, without the plebs and without the pleb miners alike, right? Without the pleb miners and the plebs running nodes, Bitcoin is not fuck you money. Yeah, we are the, we are the cyber hornets. Like we are, we are all like the white blood cells that defend the network. And even, even in like the darkest of days, like if, if things get like when things get really dark and the state co-ops as much as they can, the blockchain, I mean like, yeah, like they're, the pleb pleb miners, like the interesting new entrant, because there was very little capacity to do this with any other market. Like you, you can't be your own little privatized military that is around the world. You can't be like, at yeah, you, you can't open a gold mine essentially at this point. Like, what That's else right. can you do? But all you need is a way to get power. And it's like, and the, all you need is a way to get power and to value Bitcoin as more than the sum of the fiat inputs that goes into it. Yeah. It simplifies a lot of things. But right, it's like until until right. you can see it, you don't until you understand the problem that Bitcoin's solving. Yeah, you're not. You, it, it's like you just don't get it. It's like what this is gamblers. The, thing, the way to create, yeah. I mean, look, the way to have a sly roundabout way for something is to be on a different value system. You understand? Like that is the sly roundabout way. Is because the people who are protecting yeah, yeah. their own value system aren't looking for somebody that, in their eyes, is willing to lose money. They're so right? complacent. They're, they just assume that everybody is going to continue valuing what they value. I mean, in some ways, not to get uh, Bitcoin political here, although we did want to talk about this a little bit, but like the way we look at the ordinals people is like, well, they're going to they're going to run out of money eventually. And so, you know, who cares? Um, well, it's no, undoubtedly true, but like it could be like we may not see these people run out of money in our lifetime. Right. So maybe what I mean, you know, look, what if that it is a slide? What if they are attempting a slide roundabout way of some type of co-opting of our network? Right. I mean, we have to allow it. And that's it's a test of this is going to be a test of the anti-fragility of Bitcoin. Right. But um, that it, it just came up for me is that's another group that is like has a different value system than we do. 
I mean, here's using uh, here, our network. Yeah. For something that has a different value system. It's like inevitably, like high, it's like, I, can't, I always come back, high fees are the solution to high fees. You, you know, ultimately, you're right. Like they will, if they want to continue doing what they're doing, they're going to have to pony up and pay for it. But like, so right right now, the, we have Lightning as a layer two solution. And this high fee environment is really showing us the stress points of the Lightning network. And like the, the capacity to open new channels or service channels currently is, oh yeah, you have to make an on-chain transaction to do that. And it's brutally expensive right now. And, but looking yep. where, where does this go well this is going to drive incentive for other layer twos like i could like mastercard could step out and be like hey guess what we now like you can now use our mastercard network to send sats around like install our mastercard app and for like for some people like that's gonna be the best cheapest option that they have available unfortunately yeah. for a period of time uh but like you know who's doing that you know but do you, do you know who already did that who's in who's my opinion that? one of the best one of the best ways to get through this high fee environment, strike. You can send you can send sats to any strike user with and there's no fee. Oh yeah, right. Now, I don't know if that'll stay that way forever, but like that they are not if you can send your sats, it's your because it's for them it's a spreadsheet. You guys know it's custodial, right? Mm-hmm. It's but it's nice in like we have to be able to hibernate, right? And not and that we like it's important that we don't lose, we don't get grounded out and we don't get uh, dragged all of our, you know, we don't get dragged for our Bitcoin while these people are doing this. During right? the fee storms, yeah, it's important to find shelter in whatever ports of refuge you can. And yeah, Strike is a custodial, potentially state cucked port. But yeah, where where else would you want to go to to exercise your economic um, privilege then like I think strike is about the best we could do currently and they're cut they're cucked by El Salvador potentially now because that's where they're that I think that's where they moved their headquarters to I, I knew they had opened an office down there did they they moved their officially they moved their office their headquarters down there that's awesome I mean either either they, it's either already happened or that's their plan that's beautiful and that they're not going to really they're not going to roll out anything of significance until that's the case. I, I mean, think they, like, they're really worried about the U.S. government, and they're they're going all in on El Salvador. I mean that that right there shows why. Like I would say, like yeah, using the strike harbor as a safe port during this fee storm is a better option than sending Coinbase or other other like layer two, layer three options currently. But like I mean. Or this, right. or, or the theoretical Mastercard like layer two, but like th- like that's coming, something like that. Like at some point, when the state is really, really in the level of coercion, I mean, like the state wallet that they will be servicing their C, their CBDC through, I could see them offering like, hey, you can also custody your Sats with us, and then it's just it's next to impossible to ever get them back out. But like while your Sats are there, they're going to offer can, you can send yeah. Sats around for zero fees. Yeah, they'll offer that you can convert your Bitcoin to CBDC with massive incentives, massive juicy incentives. And in a high fee environment, they're going to be like, well, you, you can't spend your Bitcoin right now, but you can spend our stuff. And this yeah. is just going to be the way they try to suck it. They try to suck it back. But guess what? It ain't going to be sly and it ain't going to be roundabout and it ain't going to work. Yeah, no, no, that's that's on our, the sly roundabout side is on our side. <laughs> but it, like, I think it's going to, like, this is again, again, I'm going to like revert back in order to be the kinds of people who can defend against a sly roundabout way of co-opting our shit 
we are going to have to be way better than what we are right now. Like the kind, it's kind of like, you know, we had to be smarter to defend uh, democracy than the people that the revolutionaries, the revolutionaries were brilliant people, right? They were probably smarter than we are, right? And we think we failed to, to be better, to uphold what they did for us, right? We have to be, it's going to be a different type of, um, it's just a different type of lifestyle and way of thinking to defend against something sly than to defend against something overt. But we're, our enemy is so pathetic that that's all they have, right? Our enemy yeah. right now is a, is a fiat government. And they have such a powerful cudgel that that's all they'll use. Well, our, our, but that's would, not going to be the case. Our enemy is not the government. Our enemy is the statists that make up the like. There's people, our neighbors, that are so state cuck. Like they are our enemy. Like the government is just people. It's like they are state True, but cuck those people, people, and people that are, are so weak that they won't stand cuck. up and say no when it, like when when like the people that are building these these refugee camps around like in Chicago. It's like who, what kind of local contractor. The kind of person that would accept that contract to build that is detestable in my mind. Like you are, but there's the, well, they're incentive driven though. So this thing yes. is like before you moralize these people, they are incentive driven, and so they wouldn't exist without that cudgel. The cudgel that the state has to print money, right, is just that powerful. They can co-opt anybody, really, right, except for a couple of psychopaths, you know, except for right now a couple, maybe a hundred million close to psychopaths, right? The cudgel of fiat money, right? That tool, that hammer is just that powerful that the state doesn't need another tool. They don't need a sly, they don't need to do anything sly, right? So what I'm saying is we are coming up in an era where that's our enemy and that's the tool they have. So we know what to look for. However, that's not gonna be the case in 80 years. In 80 years, there's gonna be somebody there's going to be people trying to create sly roundabout ways of, of uh, co-opting us. And I think it just starts now. It starts now with how, like most Bitcoiners are at the beginning of the road of educating their kids. And so that's, you know, that's kind of where, that's why I talk about this, right? Because it's going to matter a lot what the North Star is, mm. right? Uh, because otherwise we can lose a generation, right? If the North Star now is a certain standard and we know that, like that's, I want to build, I want to build for that. There's a lot of individual walls to man. It's like, like we, we need to have, we need Bitcoiners to have kids. Like we, we need to outbreed them to begin with. Then we, yeah, then we need to teach our kids to, to be strong enough to withstand like their mental attacks and their mental, their, their bad programming. Then we're like we have to be strong, like physically strong enough that we can repel their physical attacks. It's like, but yeah, like train. This is such a remote idea in modern life. Of I mean, we're we're like we're building a militia. We're building a, an intellectual militia yeah, as well as like a real kids, militia. Yeah. And it's as long as they have that power, like our kids can turn. Like every kid is a threat to turn to the dark side too. Right. As long as the dark side can print money. As long as you're right. plugged in the, into the matrix, our, you could be an agent. Then, so we're going to be training. We're going to be, you know, we're going to be, have very capable kids now in a generation too. So we're going to have better enemies because a lot of our kids, a, a lot of the people we go to meetups with and are having kids, right? 
it's, it, it probably takes one in a thousand to do damage, right? To, that's really capable. Um, this is why I talked about this last week. Like I, like I can't allow my, my daughter to work for them. Like that's a big priority. Like that has to be a priority, right? Yeah. Like that, like I'm not going to continue to train her to be on this path to be like a math PhD. If there's even a scintilla of an idea that she would work for the enemy. Yeah, like, it turns my stomach to think of my kids working for the enemy just as much as it turns my stomach. Like what the money that I is not the fiat money that I hold, what I am tacitly endorsing by holding that money is the same. It's like I feel guilt, direct guilt by using their money. It's like I yeah, the guilt that a parent must hold for raising a, kid, a statist kid that then. Oh, boy. Yeah. What a what a failure moment. So maybe it really is. It may be that we can only win so hard. And maybe that's by that's another feature because that's what keeps us vigilant is going to be the fact that we never we're never dancing on the graves. We're never going to feel maybe right. Maybe we're never going to be doing touchdown dances on people's graves because that's going to be the first path to be getting tossed out. Like yesterday's breakthrough is tomorrow's ego trip. And, um, you know, maybe we always feel, we always feel like there's another mountain to climb and that's the feature forever. I think that's a much healthier place to live mentally than ossification. Always, always keep looking for that next mountain. Yeah. And that's the question. So the question is going to be, how do we educate ourselves and then that'll that'll then, I think, impact how we educate our kids, right? See, I don't like to focus. I'm very focused on education, but not of children. I'm like, I think that Bitcoiners are the children, right? We are the children of Bitcoin, even if we're 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, right? That's the generation that we want to educate that needs to level up. Yeah, we need right? to be good and examples. The decentral- like, we need to not, we need well, right, to not work for decentralized. Like, well, and then you allow decentralization. I'm saying you allow then decentralization to do its thing, right? You allow people who are now capable, who can do a bunch of pull-ups of their own weight, right? You allow them to let their own incentives drive the world, right? And then we're not trying to co-op people's children or anything. We just want people to be stronger and then so that they can do whatever it is they think is best for their kids. Yeah, for I, I think definitely, like th- there is going to be some conversion. I, I, f- I feel like more more of them converting to our side than our side converting to their side, taking over time. But ultimately, like how, how does how does the but, culture win? It's it's by outlasting the competing culture. They're weaker, so we're getting worse people than they're getting in that trade. Right. Yeah, but like the people that we're like, getting, like they can do, they can do some push-ups and they, they can level themselves up, but right? Yes, for sure. Like the people, a conversion is never going to be as it's like we stand on the shoulders of giants. Like we are, we are who we are because of the people our parents were, and our children will be the people are that they grew up to be because of the people that we are now, and like the what the things we do now echo echo in eternity, and so the question is like, but, yeah, yeah. So maybe it, it, but maybe it's like we are who we are because we had to solve the problem of fiat money, and maybe we only ever get to be Bitcoiners in perpetuity because we always have to solve the problem of fiat money. And maybe right, like we have this ideal that like, oh, 
our kids are going to grow up and never touch a dirty fiat dollar. And maybe that's actually not the case. And maybe that doesn't work. It may be that we always, by design, maybe we need fiat. We need it to exist in a much weaker form than it is. Like, but we need to see a, a little kind of embers. We need to see embers that flame so that we can be aware that that shit can set us on fire if we're not careful. Oh, yeah. Like, in and of itself, fiat is, like, in a trusted system, fiat could work just fine. Like, in a high-fee environment, like, if we, like, that, I mean, that, that's what a, a MasterCard network is. It's a, it's a kind of fiat. Like, you're, you're trusting them that, that there's not, they're not uh, doing reserve banking with whatever, like, like in Lightning, there's, like, we can, we know by code that's not happening. But, like, we're entering into, like, if we're going to start trusting a MasterCard network, like, we are allowing them. But, yeah, so, like, fiat in and of itself is not, yeah. is not the enemy. Like, it is a tool that we have missed, that has universally been misused. It's, it's just the one ring that no one can be trusted to have power over. Uh, but, like, if we change society and, like, level up humans as a whole into adults like we're, we're adolescents now if we grow grow up these will be problems that we don't have to consider but anymore but the witch never dies right no and in fact if the Sisyphus witch ever pushes, dies pushes the rock uphill it, forever yes and so that's what i that's like exactly like i want us to look at ourselves as sisyphean characters that never stop it requires See, yeah, that boulder, the force of the boulder going down the hill is what is the, it's it's represents the human nature that always wants to print money. Okay, yeah. right. So if we have to always understand that we can never, like our kids have to know that history. They have to know the same history we read about in the Bitcoin standard and the same that, that we see all the time. That there's never really been an example of a human group in power that didn't try to do it. Right. And that force of gravity is constantly pushing that boulder. And it really does. Now, guess what? Guess what the best thing that ever happened to Sisyphus is? It's Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin basically gave Sisyphus a lot of like the strength to stay, at least stay where he is. Mm -hmm. Right. But the, it's kind of like the iceberg analogy, right? Where you don't see everything under the iceberg. The like you don't, you see the force vector of the boulder kind of pushing on Sisyphus. You don't really see the strength that he's using to keep it up, right? You don't like see, all you see is a guy in a boulder. Maybe you don't see what would happen if he wasn't there or if he didn't have Bitcoin behind him. I was a highway man Along the coach roads I did ride Sword and pistol by my side Many a young maid lost her baubles to my trade Many a soldier shed his lifeblood on my blade The bastards hung me in the spring of 25 But I am still alive I was a sailor, I was born upon the tide, with the sea I did abide, I sailed a schooner around the Horn of Mexico, I went aloft to furl the mainsail in a blow, and when the 
say that I got killed But I'm living still I was a dam builder Across the river deep and wide Where steel and water did collide A place called Boulder on the wild Colorado I slipped and fell into the wet concrete below They buried me in that great tomb that knows no sound But I'm still around I'll always be around and around and around Fly a starship across the universe divide And when I reach the other side I'll find a place to rest my spirit if I can Perhaps I may become a highwayman again Or I may simply be a single drop of rain I will remain I'll be back again and again and again 